welcome back, everybody, to the Glue Guys. This is Brian here. Say hello, Mike. Hello. We did it. We nailed it. We're back. Hey, iTunes ratings. We want them. We need them. <laughs> We're really indignant about them. We have to have them. We're craving them. We're on the corner begging strangers for iTunes ratings. But first, thank you for everyone who has given us ratings, right? I mean, f- fantastic oh, response. I'm just trying to meme on what Mike often does, but <laughs> we do really appreciate the iTunes ratings. Uh, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, Nets Daily. Find us there, Almighty Baller. Dot com. Mike. Which you are the vice president of, right? I'm, who knows what I am? Who knows what we're doing? Brian. What's up? We're back. We're back. Look at this. Hey, we're by the way, speaking of iTunes ratings, we want to give a shout out to your boy Lou Estevez, even before the show starts, because he gave oh, yeah? a really nice iTunes review. What do you say? Um, General feeling I don't want to, It's a little bit, it would be untawdry. No, it would be tawdry. Tawdry. Yeah, untoward. Untoward? Untoward. 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 Uh, to just start, you know, saying it, because it's so flattering. Um, I don't want to read it. It doesn't stop us to play like Robbie Rose voicemails where he says we're about the greatest podcast in the world, but that's how we sneak it in there. But if I was reading it with my own voice, that's a bridge too far. (laughs) Anyways, Mike, what have you been doing? It's we're like get back to the to the season here. I'm on the MC. I'm you know running the show now, semi permanently (laughs) because I am I'm a father. That's the thing. Mike is sleep deprived. He can't he can't put sentences together anymore. We did try to. Oh yeah. So I've been yeah. I'm completely yeah. sleep sleep deprived. See, uh, that. Look how baggy my eyes Marble are, Brian. Mouthed. Oh my god. By the way, the way you're we're sitting. So I need to describe where we are. We're in my bedroom. Yeah. Uh, I have an eighteen dollar. Now this is. I mean, I have to suggest everyone get one of these in their life. It's a foldable picnic table with chairs attached to it. It's an absolute marvel. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of creating a, a dynamic where Brian and I are just staring into each other like that show High Noon on ESPN. It's intense. It's as intense as our previous um, podcast with Damari Carroll, I felt, sitting <laughs> right across from him, of which the photos online that you posted really unflattering because here's what happened. <laughs> My T-shirt. You? And, and I understand now why everyone was giving me, you know, sh- ished about my t-shirt everyone knows damari yeah yeah, damari but then on the internet too people were rough um which is fine you know i you know i give it so i could take it um but uh (laughs) i had like i was sitting such that like my gut was like pinching the shirt yes yes (laughs) it was a great look you know that look so you know in hindsight truth be told that we had two options and i chose the one where i look better yeah um fair hey you're, you're doing all the work i wasn't even looking that great I was puffy-faced yeah. and tired. You had a couple of moments am. there where you were staring a hole into Mario Carroll's face in I a way know, that I couldn't. Wrong with me? I saw you doing it at the time, and I was like, is this a Do joke or is this like some power play? Do you think he cared? I thought you were about to fight Demario Carroll right there <laughs> on the podcast. He's like, you want to yeah. hear a good, good or bad for our show? Must listen know. to podcasting? I'm uh, going to fight this, <laughs> this guest right here. You know here. who's going to fight this season? The Nets <laughs> oh, for a wow, playoff spot. done. Because, Brian, the Nets are oh, back. Here we go. I have I have a new soundboard, guys. It's plugged um, into the computer now. And in full honesty, my headphones aren't working, so I don't hear anything. But it's happening. But I know that the Nets are back. I can feel the Nets back. The, yes, Nets, the Nets are back, Brian. Back. I've been following people on Instagram. They've D'Angelo Russell's getting so hyped for the season. Even the uh, the early season previews are in, and, and we've become sort of the darlings of the not so good Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, so I don't know how I feel about that. Um, obviously, so this is the first pod in sort of the the slow waltz that will go into the season. Uh, we are about a month away from preseason basketball. Ultimately, what we wanted to do is inform the listeners. We didn't, you know, we didn't go away over the other. We took a pretty long break there. We're not Again, dead. all my fault. Yeah. Wife had a child. Mike had to have a, a child, selfishly. He, he is... Okay, listen to this, folks. 95th percentile in height. 
Wow. Absolute baller. Wow. Um, he will be a, a young. That won't last long. He George better Marisol. appreciate it for now. <laughs> I don't, you don't want he to is get very appreciative of his height already. You don't want a grown up in the 95th percentile, presumably, unless they're playing professionals. Right. Where would that put you? I don't know. 6'6? Six, so six? I, I recently read that 6% of Americans um, in the like viable 20 to 40 age range that are 7 feet or taller. Six percent of them have been or are currently in the NBA. Really? Yeah. Interesting stat, right? Six percent. I, th- I, th- I feel like higher. One in twenty. Higher. Wouldn't it be higher? Like I don't see many seven footers walking around. No. That aren't almost NBA never. players. Yeah. Are they hiding? Are they ashamed? Yes. And would my son be in the other ninety-four percent? Have you have you seen yourself try to catch a thing? You know what I think is a good like lane to go into for him? Tallest podcaster. Nice. You know. You yeah. can be tallest basketball player, sure. By that time, tallest the podcast, podcast industry will be so far along, you'll need a real a gimmick like that to even get in. It's not exactly like this, but like how esports are huge, right? And people watch esports. My nephews watch people play video games and all that stuff. I watch people play video games. I don't even know what Overwatch is, but I watch it because it's so goddamn interesting. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like for podcasts. People are going to be stadium seating. Yeah. For us two just talking into each other's faces. Speaking of which, yes. plug for the Brooklyn Nets NBA 2K League. They, they, or team. They got one. Yeah? Yeah. So Mazel tough guys. It's going to be big. Oh, yeah. Lashonat Tovah to all my Jewish friends out there. Happy New Year to you. Happy 5779, Brian. Big year for us. That's the Jewish year. Five, what are those? We're on a five, different. 5779. Year 5779. We're, oh. we're on a different calendar. Oh, you didn't reset it to zero. <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> I see. All right. <laughs> Five, seven, seven, nine. Wow. Yeah, so we're working our way to 6,000. What happens then? Wikipedia says that's when the Messiah comes. I didn't know that. Uh, so we got a ways to go. Do you have like a whole you know Mayan calendar event coming up? Yeah. Where you guys are just going to have to take that L. Will <laughs> the Nets have won an NBA championship by I mean, then? We will tell you right now not, after. Not necessarily. The, you, could, you, could be, you could be right. Um, so again, so this is pod is just to sort of. Uh, we don't. What are we going to talk about, Mike? What's going on? I have some listener emails and stuff. I would love to hear. Oh, wait, oh my god. <laughs> I'm just seeing a sound wave on the wait. I'm sorry everybody. That was a complete mistake on my part. I didn't um I started typing without navigating away from my soundboard. And so all the sounds started playing. <laughs> we were going to cut to um some listener emails and stuff. Yeah, I would love to do that. That's cheer boy. John Glue. John Glue, man. That's his real name. Is he a glue guy? No, it's uh, he has a longer name, but he in, in, introduces himself as John Glue, which is a shortened version of his last name. And because I don't want him to get doxxed, I'm going to leave that off. Please. Um, just checking to see what's been going on. Haven't dropped a pod in over a month. and was just wondering what's been going on. Hopeful to see you drop a new pod soon, going over the schedule for the upcoming season and what you expect from Jared Allen. He's looking like a future top 10 center in the league, in my opinion. Thank you, John Glue, aptly named, um, with an incisive question. The truest of glue guys. Um, okay, well, let's like launch into it. Have you looked at the schedule at all? I have. Um, there, <laughs> uh, don't make me pull this up, but I will. Uh, there's an actually interesting stretch to end the season, Brian. And I don't know if you saw this, but it's basically like all the teams that the Nets would maybe be kind of competing for an NBA like a eighth seed slot in the Eastern Conference against. Oh. It's basically how they end their year. There's a little Rochambeau at the end, huh? Let me pull it up. And also, there's a couple of Boston games in there, which obviously I'm not going to say that the Nets are going to compete, but, you know, whatever. Uh, One sec, one sec, one sec, one sec, one sec. 
Um, but second, let's talk about Jared Allen real quick. Okay. All right. Expectation about Jared Allen. Go, Brian. Breakout season. <laughs> Gosh, my expectations about Jared Allen. Um, I don't know. Did you watch some of that summer league? His summer league highlights were pretty dope, dude. I honestly like. I was. Um, he there's one especially where um, I forgot the name of the player, but he's uh, or the team. But anyways, he like took it off the dribble from like way beyond the three point line and just like had a dunk from a, a step inside the free throw line, which um, says a couple of things. First of all, like okay, he can do some like power dribbling, you know, to get into the paint. Interesting, a thing I haven't seen before. But he's got some. He's got the inclination to do something like that all of a sudden where, you know, that's a big part of whether or not he has a ceiling or what that ceiling is. Is like, is he going to decide to like, you know, take people off the dribble all of a sudden? Is he going to decide to shoot threes? Like, because if so, that adds a whole new layer to how good this guy could be. And I'm still like wondering. So obviously Dwight Howard went to the Wizards and we're all happy Dwight Howard's not on the Nets. You're especially happy because he's playing for Cheerwiz for super cheap. Um, Which is like makes $5 million is way better than... Is more, is he better than Gortat at this point? Yes. Is he? For sure. You're sure? For sure. For sure. Because I watched enough Gortat's... Net better than Gortat. Isn't Gort, Gortat wasn't getting along with anybody anyways, right? Him and John Wall hated each other. Right. Not that Dwight Howard's like famous for getting along with sure. everyone. But there was like also issues with that for Gortat. So you can't yeah. just be like in the pros cons list. That's not a, a pro for him. Right. And literally it couldn't... I don't think it could have gotten worse besides, you know, like the Gilbert Arenas, Javars Crittenden type stuff <laughs> Javaris Crittenden I know man wow um, but so like I still do think about if Dwight was on this team what would that mean I think it would actually yeah it would have hurt Jared Allen's development a little bit but it would have provided Jared Allen more cover than Kenneth Fareed will I do wonder Kenneth Fareed's going to be a center on this team I don't he's going to play some forward but he's basically going to be the backup center on this team so will that Davis they're all going to kind of be in a mishmash together I still wonder how those minutes are going to work out. Like, you don't have to give Kenneth Freed minutes. You don't really have to give Ed Davis minutes. I mean, you're going to want to because he's pretty darn good. But, like, what is Jared Allen? How much are they going to put on his plate this year? Like, are they going to make him a 26-minute center? Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty substantial amount of time you're on the floor for a center, especially a second-year guy. Or is he, like, is there going to be some mood swings, some teenage mood swings with him this year? Mm. Like, are we going to get consistent 26 minutes a game where he's, like, out there, he's the starter, and he's the guy who ends the game as center? Or is the picture more of, like, you know what, he may take a step back here, then may take two steps forward, then a step back. Like, how much faith do you have that he's going to be consistent this year? Not that Because he, he was so consistent last year, I felt. Like, he just I rose mean, and rose and rose. Do you want me to, like, talk about the sophomore wall meme? Is that is That's that, what I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid that, like, so there's so much positive about this team. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of growth that can still happen off of the growth that happened last year. I worry, though, if, like, just a couple of players had, like, really great years. Like, Rondé had his best year. Karras had his best year. Dan Woody had his best year. Obviously, Jared Allen. It was his rookie season, but, like, ascended throughout. Are we going to get to, like, this season and actually be like, oh, maybe Rondé's not as good as he was last year. And then Karras is going to go back to not hitting any shots. And then Dinwiddie's going to go back to being a guy who any team could have had on the... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there is, there's some substantial risk to all of those guys. And Jared Allen's the guy that, like, would break my heart the most yeah. if he took a step back. Because I'm expecting, like, so much from Jared Allen. Like, I'm expecting him to be, you know, Clint Capella, baby Clint Capella. Like, everyone wants to call him out to be. I uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
what do, what do I know? But I think what's at least interesting for um, the players that they sort of assembled around uh, Jared Allen, there's not any like perceivable offensive threat that's going to oppose him like for for minutes. Like right. Ed Davis and Kenneth Reed mostly there for offensive rebounding purposes. One has to assume because like they seem to like really target that skill set um, for for this off season. Um, they're totally capable like putbacker guys and like you know they you know I think Freed has like a couple of little go-to moves um but I think like if they're thinking about any kind of post scoring like who who else is who else can you possibly point to it's kind of like D'Angelo I mean obviously yeah. it's a weird the guard sort of the Darren Williams version of post scoring but it's mm-hmm. like he would have to be the only other guy that you could, like kind of give the ball to down low and like if he's matched up against some short guard. Yeah, and it's be. mostly, I mean, it's not going to be post-scoring. It's going to be little dips to the basket and stuff like that. But, uh-oh, Mike, something wrong with your – you're all good. Um, speaking of Dinwiddie, did you see the Suns shtick with them? Yeah, so did you read the actual report? Of, uh, of course not, no. So, like, I'm not – I just went I'm right to the comments. <laughs> not going to disparage uh, the afternoon drive time host in, for Arizona Sports.com radio, whatever he's a part of. But, like – when you read the report, so what the headline of the report is that the Suns are looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. okay, and two other players. I forget who. I don't even remember who the two other players are. But then when you read the report, the guy who wrote it, who is a radio talk show host, complete respect, love it, fantastic. He doesn't, like, really say, like, sources within the organization are telling me that they are trying to actively engage in talks with the Nets to get Spencer Dinwiddie. He just says the Suns are looking at yeah, players three names. Yeah, and Spencer Dinwiddie was one of the names of the names that they were looking. That's how at. starved we are for for basketball news at this point. That's what that but is. I was kind of getting yeah. excited about it. Do you want a Spencer Dinwiddie trade? Um, no, not especially. It doesn't make. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Right? I mean, okay. So look at the Suns. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before with like. I forget what iteration we were trying to talk about before. Like before the draft, we were talking about some kind of trade that could be done to the Suns. The players that came up were Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. Yeah. Don't want Dragon Bender. I'm on mm-hmm. the record anti Dragon Bender. I mean, wow. like, if he was just like, if he was cut and the Nets picked him up, I'd be like, fine, fine, whatever. Yeah. Not trading Spencer Dinwiddie for him. There's not a single guy on the roster that I would trade Dinwiddie for that doesn't make, like, that won't yeah. also make sense for the Suns. I just feel like we're hurdling such, such like, an obvious shakeup in next offseason that, like, trying to make these like minimal like minor things to like get like well we could like you know try to get a little value out of Spencer Dinwiddie like you don't really ultimately know what our finances are going to look like after like what you know hopefully is like a pretty eventful summer next year um so like holding out for like you know paying Spencer Dinwiddie is is I mean the guy fits exactly what we're trying to do you know he's like kind of a prototypical guard for our our particular brand of basketball so you know, having him as like a you know a guy that knows the system as a go to backup and like by all measure a solid bro. I don't know. It feels like feels like something you might just want to sit on your hands about. Well, and I wonder too because I need to look at this. I imagine his cap hold for next year is is very small. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're going to try to do the two max free agents type deal, and we're going to be covering that all season long, Brian. Now we're going to be. I know on, you are. Going to be on top of that, like yeah. like stink on a stick mm. is that what they say stink on rice That's oh, okay yeah. um but like i think dinwiddie's cap hold has to be small it just mm-hmm. just the value of his contract and it's like i think it's raised up 120 percent of that his contract so that'd be 1.5 times you know 1.2 whatever mm-hmm. that is don't know 1.7 who cares no 1.8 actually i know not that even, i know that exactly there. brian yeah. um 
But the so you can do something with Spencer Dinwiddie, which actually is much harder for than having D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell is going to be kind of an issue to resign, and then tr- and also still get two yeah, really good players. That's the big one. Okay, so that's like the big looming question over this team is like, is D'Angelo the guy to actually hold on to if it's going to block you from getting Kyrie and Kevin Durant? And, and Marks has been like, you know, not very forthright about what their decision is. He's like, yeah, I'm going to see what the season, you know, has for us. Well, and so like there's going to be we're going to be watching signs all year for to, that are going to let us know what their future plans are. And what's going to determine that is one, how good this team is this year. Like if they start off well, um, that's going to change sort of whether they actually do make a trade because... They could spin off a couple of pieces for something bigger now that it's a, on an expiring deal that helps them this season, then opens up just a ton more cap. Um, Dinwiddie's a really interesting case because he's going to get, I don't know how much money, but everyone's going to have salary cap space. If he plays as well as he played this year, he's going to get conservatively, what did Marcus Smart get? Uh, he got like $10 million, $12 million a year, something like that, 14 about $12 million a year. Marcus Smart is better than Spencer Dinwiddie. I think valued more highly. Difficult D- defensively. Yeah, he's like it's awesome. an odd. It's an odd two players to sort of stack up against each other. But both are guards. Yeah. I'd rather have a guy like Dinwiddie who can play one and two, and offensively can help me a lot more than Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart's like just super valuable defensively. Dogged, dogged defender. Dogged. Um, but he got about twelve million a year, something like that. Dinwiddie, let's say, gets seven million a year, eight million a year in a time when the salary cap will be. It'll be the best time to be a free agent since the salary cap bubble mm-hmm. back in whatever it was four years ago. Um, the Nets, if they're going to have these master plans of bringing in whoever it is, Jimmy Butler, Ky- Kyrie Irving, uh, just any any of these guys, Clay Thompson maybe, who knows? Um, Dinwiddie really doesn't fit into those plans. Mm. Um, neither does D'Angelo Russell really, but... I don't think I don't think there's any shot that he gets they well, get rid of. They him. were talking about <clears throat> trading him for like second like the Suns thing was talking about trading him for a, a second, second rounder. rounder. Yeah, yeah. which is cuz I think the Nets could have had a first rounder for Dinwiddie last year at one point. Well, I think that was round. the that was the rumor that they were trying they were to hold out for the Cavs and the Cavs didn't want to part something like that. Like the Cavs were maybe thinking about giving their what they had like a second first rounder that they traded right. to the Lakers. Right. In that the Lakers deal um, with Isaiah Thomas that opened up all the cap space that LeBron walked into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I think it, Dinwiddie's going to be an interesting. There's like a few players on this team that like that that Nets fans should be watching in terms of trade rumors to see exactly what Marks is thinking because Dinwiddie's a guy that they would trade for maybe just draft picks so they don't take up he doesn't take up salary cap next year because if they're not gonna if they are gonna go after big free agents they're probably not resigning Dinwiddie. D'Angelo Russell's the ultimate guy, though. But I don't, there, I, there's been never a trade rumor, and I don't think the team, the team just doesn't wouldn't want to trade him. It would just be like, well, what are you going to get for a guy who was hurt most of last year and who is super talented? It's just like he's not. He may be an interesting trade candidate for next year, or of course, if he's awesome, then you resign him. Yeah, we'll see. This is a heady podcast. We're we're getting into some some nitty gritty stuff, which is good. You know, we have something to talk about all of a sudden. Speaking of which, um, next up is Cheer Boy. John, good friend. A good friend of the show. Lovely. 
Um, Sean, as ever, thank you for reaching out. And thanks to everybody who sends us emails. There's a bunch of voicemails in there that I would love to get to. We'll probably have to get to it next time because Mike's headphones are broken. Wah, wah, wah. Rats. Um, anyways, <clears throat> just read this article which references Zach Lowe talking about what the Nets do uh, with DeMar Carroll if they're out of the playoff hunt at some point midseason. Do you think that they would consider a trade with the Wizards? Mm. Carroll for Austin Rivers and Jason Smith slash Jody Meeks plus a couple of second rounders. They wouldn't add to long-term cap. Could add assets, and it seems as though this is the type of trade the Wiz would make. Um, kind of a Bogdanovich-esque trade. Alternatively, also, um, hope you had a good summer. Also, have you guys thought of organizing a happy hour and then going to a Nets game type of thing? Something like what the uh, Bronx, Bronx, Bronx Pinstripe podcast does. You could even see if the Nets would do one of their group jersey promotions. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, I would Mike, absolutely love Mike it. loves that stuff. I'm a recluse, but... Yeah, I, I would do it. I'd be very excited up until the 30 minutes right before and be like, is anyone going to show up? I'm yeah. so nervous. I don't know if I'm going to live up to their expectations because, you know. You're not. When you hear my voice, you think, you this know. Is always, this goes back to a very weird Adonis. meme. Every time somebody looks at a picture of us, they say, is that really you guys? That's what you look like? It's it's like <laughs> like a like a Swiss train. So like People chime <laughs> in and like, and what does it mean? What does that mean? Who was it that said, <clears throat> that said, you guys look more athletic than you sound. Look more athletic than we sound. Maybe I think what they're basically me. what they're trying to say is that we have voices like, like little needle. B-I-T-C. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, but I don't think that way about look, maybe maybe it's your voice. Is that what this is? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, you do you have a news like a newsy radio voice because hey, you're an award winning journalist for God's sake. Not a big deal. Yeah. Not that the Nets care. Um, <laughs> And also, that's Dig. the thing. Digging. I don't think the Nets are going to do a joint promotion with us anytime soon. Um, I would love for them to, to get on board with this. Yeah, here's what you guys should do. Tweet at the Nets and put the idea in their court, and let's see let's see what comes back. Just say, like, hey, have you heard the glue guys? They're great people. Wow. Just say stuff like don't, that. Well, I don't want to put that idea out there, because um, you don't have to say we're great people. Um, but just put the put the ball in their court, and we'll see how far it Here's gets. the thing. They know who we are. Um, all right, we've done enough. They like hinting. they don't seem yeah. to want to talk to us. All right, all right. All right. On let's get to the Demari basis. thing. Let's get to the Demari thing. I said enough enough to them. airing out the dirty laundry. That's it. Stop. <laughs> get out of here. Put on the Demari Carol. They get very Michael. Pivot. Anyway, so oh, I did want to bring up the schedule thing that we wanted to talk about real quick because we then the previous email from Mister Glue, I think. Um, mm-hmm. There was oh a, right yeah there was a schedule thing. So here here's the end of the net schedule. I think it's like the last eight games. Okay. Away at the 76ers in Philly, home against the Celtics, the Bucks, the Raptors, at the Bucks, at the Indiana, and home against the Heat. That is an Eastern Conference gauntlet mm. to end the season. Those are a few teams, Miami, maybe the Bucks. I mean, Toronto's going to be really good this year. 76, those are all teams that are all going to be in the playoffs, most likely, maybe except for the Heat. That is the end of the season where... If we're in a scenario where D'Angelo Russell's awesome and all these guys are keep improving, maybe the Nets make a sneaky trade in the middle of the year, uh, pick up another asset. That end of the season stretch could be crucial to getting to the playoffs. I don't know. Nice. Obviously, it's too far to predict. Um, I'm going to have a full season breakdown. The first preseason game, I'll tell you every game that the Nets will win and every game that they will lose. Are you excited to watch Brook Lopez on the Bucks this year? I kind of am. I'm interested to see, like, how much do him and Giannis share the court? Um, like, is Giannis not going to be the center anymore? I know he's like, he was point center last year, but, mm. like, 
I don't know. They should put him on the court with Giannis as much as possible. He's kind of the perfect center. Alternatively, I do feel like Milwaukee is where centers go to sort of die. That's what it I know. seems to be. It's yeah. going to feel weird. Like, Brooke being on the Lakers like kind of made sense, except it yeah. didn't really work out. Like, I could have seen Brooke kind of like really diving into the Laker culture, being like mm. good guy, Laker. You know, he goes to Disneyland a lot. People like him. And mm. then he like is, shows up in a Star Wars movie by mm. being out there. Um, even though they film in England, no big deal. Um, but <laughs> what do you mean, like you that I know you that. have some kind of vested interest in <laughs> such a nerd. Um, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Um, but him on the Bucks, like, is he going to be? It doesn't feel like he's going to be good. Like when you see Brook Lopez goes to Milwaukee, that doesn't feel like he's suddenly going to be good. But I guess he's going to be with Budenholzer. It so. feels like you're suddenly going to be like rele- relegated to Greg Monroe status and be yes. miserable. And yeah. then you're going to get cut and then yeah. picked up by another team who'd be like oh brooke lopez here and then yeah. it's not gonna really work out but we hope it's for tough. the best for brooke because we're pro brooks yeah um anyway sorry we've been bouncing around Anti-Robin, topic to way. topic let's get back to sean good friend a good friend of the podcast's question carol for austin rivers Do, is austin rivers good, good? do we want yeah. him no yeah. but you don't but the nets don't need him and they don't want him yeah the only thing, but, you, but the general perception is like, yeah, it's get it's get interesting piece. The only thing I would trade Damari for is is like, I mean, I know like I would want a first round pick. Maybe a first round pick isn't most realistic thing in the world. That's about it, though. Like, what's the unless if you get like a young asset? So the way that I view basketball is through the lens of like the Nets, and then through fantasy basketball. So like, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna watch a whole lot of other games. That's, that's how you like, scout. That's how I scout. And Austin Rivers is like habitually on just like the just not gonna be on any fantasy teams kind of level. Yeah, yeah. Where and also he doesn't really. Where's he gonna play? Where Damari Carroll is like pretty much almost guaranteed to be like the eighty, you know, eighty percentile ownership. I am still sort of surprised Damari's on the team because there were so many trade rumors last year. The, I think I'm happy he is though because again I don't like I don't think the market trade market's big enough for him and he's going to really help this team when we mm-hmm. talk to him again one on one or two on one interview <laughs> intimate intimate inside a basket handle it yeah <laughs> um, I I understand like you when you meet these you understand why a player like that would help a young team you know like veteran leadership like veteran mm-hmm. leadership does matter I think like. The Nets are doing it correctly by still having, like, signing Ed Davis is not a thing that a lot of teams like the Nets would do. But then mm. Sean Marks does that because he knows that, like, having a good guy who's a glue yeah. guy on your team. Well, it's interesting, it isn't it? Because, like, <clears throat> we, you know, coming from, like, the roundtables we wrote, like, two years ago where we were just sifting in the muck for anything that was going to pan out. We have a, like, we've kind of sifted a little bit to the point where we have four or five pieces that are, like, really interesting and ostensibly, you know, assets that other players might be attracted to playing with, you know, mostly in concert with other players that are really good if they come at the same time. Yeah. But still something foundational. Um, And now we're just, like, kind of transitioning out of the, like, taking flyers on Anthony Bennett phase of life. And Yeah, there's really not room for that guy anymore. No. Like, we need a little bit of shoring up. We need some conservative heady offensive rebounding kind of moves you know well that's also a setter for good screens that's what's interesting about them keeping Fareed is that they could have done the like so Daryl Darrell Arthur Mm -hmm. off the team because they did a buyout with him yeah they could have done the same thing with Fareed I'm sure yeah but they kind of wanted him on the team which again interesting move like if you're a scrap heap team you buy out Fareed and then you try to pick up like some whatever some G League all-star type dude totally 
No, but they. I think there's. That's another signal that this team has like some idea that they're going to be kind of competitive. Mm-hmm. And I think they're betting on the twenty percent chance that that if everyone stays healthy, that they're going to be in this for at least half a season. If they're in it for half a season, that's like a massive improvement compared to you know where they have been over the past half decade. This goes back into the um, who was it? Which of these guys? Um, I don't know. Hardware paroxysm or one of them. I uh, was talking about why, um, like, it was interesting that the Nets didn't go after Jaleel Okafor. They thought it would make sense to take another flyer out on another season, which is like this goes back into this. It's like we've, we're have we not there anymore, a little bit not there anymore. We pr- there's, like, some room for it in some, like, very specific cases, but, like, Jaleel Okafor is definitely not the case. You Plus, know, we already did it. I know you're not on Instagram, but Jaleel Okafor is a must-follow because it makes you believe that he's, like, he's the next Giannis. One, he's super slim now. He's like slimmed down. He puts up videos of him, you know, just like getting fed, uh, getting fed the ball around the three point line, dribble shot, make. Like I have five of them in a row because I watch a lot. So I haven't, I don't actually follow it on Instagram, but I see them, you know, in Reddit and stuff. And I have a feeling he's putting these on like fast forward or something. He's like, it's like two, like one point five speed. There's a, there's a little because when you actually see him in a game, it's like this guy is too slow to be it's playing. It's like eighties action movie when they're running. This <laughs> yeah. is like a little yeah. amped up. Yeah, it's a one point two five or something. You know, good for him. Back. You know, what? to me that shows uh, savviness. It's like when I you're writing a, a paper and you you know you get it at one point five spacing. I have enjoyed the uh, like the, so the evolution of we've already gone through the draft prospect video of a guy hitting two corner threes and everyone's like you know who are, who was the guy from Texas Mo Bamba everyone's like Mo Bamba's like what is he JJ Redick but seven foot four mm-hmm. you know and now the pro players are feeding off of that and like Julia Locafor is basically putting up a draft prospect video while he is in the league he got signed by someone I think I think he got signed by the Pelicans he did. yeah it was which is a good which. A fine bet by the Pelicans. Yeah. By the way, uh, like a Spencer Dinwiddie, a sneaky Spencer Dinwiddie trade team paired with Alan Crabb are the Pelicans. Because the Pelicans backup point guard is Alfred Payton, who is T-R-A-S-H hmm. on, in basketball-wise. Um, and, like, Alan Crabb is, like, the kind of guy that would fit really well next to Anthony Davis. What do you Davis. think is with that hair? There's some kind of pathology at this point with Alfred Payton's I hair. I think he cut it. Did he? I think he cut it. I think he. They. I think there was like video or picture of him. He really needed to because it was getting yeah. to the point where it was just all it. anyone could ever talk about. And if you're the kind of person that you have something going on with you that's all anyone yeah. could ever talk about, and you're not good at your occupation, well, it just suggests a need to stand out in a way that's like a weakness. That's probably a weakness of some kind. Right. Yeah. Well. You know, I mean, it's not like a purple mohawk or something, right? Like, you know, that's like this is this is you know, it was it was more um, like counterculture than that because it was so untamed or whatever it was. Well, what stinks is that like he, I again, I'm pro that hair. Like, I'm I was very I was very much into it, but like, but he was getting criticism because he it would it would flop in his face during games, well, sure. and, and he was a bad shooter, so people would equate, put the two things together, the two fact points, and say, and these two together. No way, have you ever like just shot around with a like a long brimmed hat on? It's not. It's not optimal. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't for affect me. you. That doesn't, doesn't affect me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're Nothing bringing helps. your hands up, it hits the top of your hat. You know what? You know, like I don't know if you do golf at all. No, I mean I have. I hate it. It's like you hit a couple of shots and they're amazing. You're like, what am I doing? It's like me on the basketball court. The same thing. I'm like, I'll hit a couple of shots in a row. I'm like, how? Where? Where is this all the time? Yeah. Um, I just like have I have natural skills at a lot of things and just none at all at <laughs> at, at, at golf and, and and tennis. Anytime you am hitting a ball with a stick like that, like I just 
Take away the stick, much better. Yeah. I hit it with my face. You know who's good with dribbling basketballs? <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. Um, okay. Um, I don't know what the transition would be for that, but... Um, nice, nice. Didn't even have a point. No, but did you see? You probably didn't see. He was on... So Katie Nolan has a, like a late ESPN show now. Like It's supposed to be like a comedy sports show that she has. on. I think it's on ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> And she, D'Angelo Russell, like, played a part in a skit she was doing. She was doing sort of like a prank camera type thing where she was at the NBA 2K19 launch. And D'Angelo Russell was in her ear. And she had to say the things that he told her to say. Mm. Um, Yeah, I saw that. I I watched, like, two seconds of it. I was like, I don't think this is for me. Yeah, it's not for me either. Um, But I'm excited for the D'Angelo Russell ride. I'm excited to see exactly what we're going to get from him this year. And how large the persona is going to get. Mm. He is my favorite. I will say this: favorite basketball combined with Instagram personality. Phenomenal Instagram. Uh, it's not. It, it's a lot of just him playing FIFA and his dogs. Two things I love. And then he plays basketball, and he's great at it. And the Nets are going to be so good if he's good, Brian. It's mm. going to be just so exciting this year. FIFA, huh? Can't wait. Um, last one. Got a fun one. Not really a fun one. A good one. It's Randall Stevens. Uh, true boy. Oh, wait. Shoot. Sorry. I got to do it. I can't. I can't not after all those. <laughs> it's true boy. Randall Stevens. Um, he says, thanks for the podcast. I have two questions about the roster. For as nice of a player as Ronda Hollis Jefferson is, does he not fit the mold of the modern PF? Can he stretch the floor? He doesn't. He does not move well off the ball. He's not a good passer, and he does not rebound overly well for power forward. His offense is mostly limited to one plays, whether post up, fadeaway jumper, or bizarre looking drives to the basket that somehow manages to finish. Do you see Sean Mark sticks with Hollis Jefferson as PF going forward into next year? Or do you think he cuts ties with him? as he does not fit into the Nets' offense in modern NBA? That's question one. Um, Any thoughts about that, Mike? So let's wait and see on Rondé shooting, right? Let's just, like, give him, again, percent chance, 10% chance he ends up, like, kind of being a corner three-point shooter. 10% chance. Um, And if he does that, then, like, I'll take everything else, too, along with that. I don't think it's going to happen. I also don't think he, like, his contract is going to be so interesting. Yeah. The value that he, I've said this before, but like he is more valuable to the Nets than anyone else because he can score somewhat. Uh, but like, that's like if his agent goes around and says, Here, I have a guy who is six seven, who is like, is athletic, but not like overwhelmingly athletic, you know, can score, but like can't really shoot and is not really a post player. Mm-hmm. And he's a power forward. Do you guys want him? Very few teams are going to like really want that type of player. Yeah. I think like why he does ultimately fit is mostly for the defensive purposes, which he's become pretty good at, and Karis LeVert as well. It's it's really handy to have young guys who are pretty smart on defense. Yeah. And Rondé, you know, however uh, like you know weird his offensive game is, is a like pretty reliable one through three, maybe one through four defender, and switches really nicely, plays def- uh, the passing lanes really intelligently, like. Um, not a ton of weaknesses there. So like, you know, as guys who are like probably positioned to be coming off the bench going forward, you could do a lot worse, you know? No, yeah. Yeah. But then again, it just comes down to like how much you're going to pay for that when you have, well, yeah, sure. Con- contractually. So 
two obviously two separate two, conversations. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm terrible at separate. Like that's why I like Joe Harris. I don't like Alan Crabb because mm-hmm. contract. I Got just it. can't separate the money from the man. It's hard. It's know? hard. I know. Um, but yeah, it's gonna. It's, Rondé's another one of those guys. Like his name were, was in trade rumors a lot too, leading up to the draft. He was in like the Dwight Howard trade rumors. So was Damari. You know, you paired though Damari and Rondé together, like for something. It's you could make a pretty interesting trade out of those two in terms of the contracts. So I don't, you know, we'll yeah. see. I, I I think he's valuable though on this team. Yeah. Uh, number two, both D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert need the ball in their hands to be productive. They are both considered valuable pieces of the Nets' future, but can they coexist and either play well off the ball and tend to become uh, the offensive centerpiece when on the floor? If Marks does sign a big free agent next summer and he needs to cut ties with one of these guys, who would you rather keep for the future? Um, so, obviously, this depends on what position the signing is for either of those, but um, let's just take it at its face. Um you know, I I'm still very much a believer in D'Angelo Russell. Like I I think like he people that are uh, dug in about like you know like him not having the kind of potential. I just found like that there's always some motivated reasoning behind it that like doesn't stand up to like you know just like being like okay, but like look at all this in context with you know other players his age and all these like you know you don't need to go to like I feel like I'm like a Jeremy Lin fan justifying Jeremy Lin to these people <laughs> oftentimes, but like in this case I'm right that's the difference <laughs> um but uh I mean alternatively I love I love Karis Levert and and I think to like the first point of that can they coexist like yes but um if only because Karis Levert adapts more than D'Angelo Russell does um yeah and what's interesting is that if you get Again, the scenario you get two max free agents. Karis LeVert's a better role player than D'Angelo Russell, even though D'Angelo Russell is like a better player. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But if you get a two max free agent type guys, and one of them plays point guard, do you really need a ball dominant than two guard at yeah. that position? Um, I, you know, obviously, you'd want, if you could keep D'Angelo and two max free agents, you would definitely do that. Karis can fit anywhere. He can fit one, two, three. He can. He's yeah. a nice defensive. He's, you know, not as savvy as Sean Livingston, but he's Sean Livingston with more athleticism. We've, we've talked about this with Karis LeVert. Like, it, it's interesting because it's like, do we want him to lean in on a skill that he has or do we want him to, like, change a little bit? Like, so the way that he dribbles is, like, very left to right the way a, a point guard would break down his man. But what we want a guy like him to do is to be sort of like a catch-and-drive dribbler, like Manu Ginobili or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, typically he's not going to be starting the, you know, play with the ball in his hand. So if you do get the ball and then you just go to lateral dribbling, you've basically stopped the play, the, the motion of the play. And you give the defenders all this time to sit up and stuff. So what you want him to be doing is like curling towards the rim and like being, you know, really doing really nifty lasso European moves. A couple savvy dribbles yeah. like in the lane and then And so like that's where I hope that he goes because like we don't need two guys to be breaking down their man like in a really static play. Um I mean it's great that he has that ability like in a pinch, but that shouldn't be by design. He's not at he's not good enough at it to like design a whole offense around. What I would really like Atkinson to do this year and like I, it's tough because their rotation while they're not they may not be a playoff team like but they have a tight rotation, right? Like mm-hmm. there's all these guys that need to get minutes and you can only play certain guys with certain players like it's just it's a kind of a stacked team for not being even that great. The most stacked not great team ever mm-hmm. in the history of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um but like what I would want from Karis is I would want him to play with the first team, let's call it that way, for eighty percent or seventy percent of the time he's on the court, and that other thirty and twenty or twenty percent, 
I want him to be the point. I do want him to be the point guard. Like I still want him to get his like ball handling, you know, offensive running type Joneses going on. I want that to happen. But I also I want him mostly to operate as you were saying within the flow of an offense, not being the dominant guy, being the complementary piece because that's where he's going to land in his career. I do like the development of then also giving like twenty percent of the time being like, Karis, you have the ball lead this team let's see what happens in those four minutes you're on the court with just like joe harris and kenneth farid and ed davis and a couple other people excellent mike i think your time has come i'm hearing the the sounds sounds of my son (laughs) i'm hearing your offspring yearning for you for your embrace no more hot takes dad that's what he's saying yeah um, those are two scorching hot. So take us out, Mike. Let's um, get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We will be building up steam as we yeah. go along. This was an academic one, you know, just to like let you guys know that we still got the chops. You know, we're going to be dropping, you know, knowledge bombs all over the season. Don't worry. And we'll be building up into a, an absolute explosion yeah, fever of Nets pitch. content by Truly. the time the season's over. By the time <laughs> no. Kevin Durant is signing, inking that contract, we, we will have you foaming at the mouth. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will be back in your ears as soon as possible. Brian, good night. Bye, everybody. Show the end of the show. The end of the show, and now you can now go home.